0: Welcome to The Wrong Side, the podcast where we talk about controversial happenings in pop culture to make sure you never find yourself on the wrong side of history. This week we'll be dishing some hot takes on this week's wild headlines, talking about Jerry Harris from Cheer being arrested on child pornography charges, and recapping the new documentary about Paris Hilton.
1: Dude, I've been listening to too much radio lately, so I almost want to just intro this episode with, what's up, wrongsiders? It's your host, M. Jones 7 and Odds Weatherby, and we are here to deliver you another delicious episode of The The only thing that
0: I hear when you do that is Alex Cooper, because she's like, what's up, guys? Back at it again. Like, doesn't she do that?
1: Oh, I guess.
0: So we don't want that for us.
1: Okay, we'll stick to what we know.
0: No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Stick to the stuff you know. It is better by to keep things as they are. Don't mess with the flow. No, no. <laughs> this sucks because nobody can see you dancing. So it just looks like you're sitting, it sounds like you're just sitting there watching me silently waiting for me <laughs> to stop singing
1: honestly I've been editing some episodes and occasionally you'll say something really funny and I'll laugh but I'll be holding my mic too far away and you can't hear it and then I just feel bad because it doesn't feel like I gave you the reaction that you deserved but I did think it was funny
0: and that's the that's the sad thing about recording on zoom I'm pretty sure there's some issues like zoom just loses its entire foundation if you try to talk at the same time like in biz meetings that happens all the time and you're like oh oh, you cut out there for a sec Sorry. (laughs) One more time? Just sad because that's one of the most pleasant things to listen to in a podcast is when there's multiple voices trying to overtake each other. Yes. We just don't have that luxury agree. on the wrong side. We're on the wrong side of that situation. You hear my dog? No, you're good. Okay. Ruby. Oh my God. Oh, Ruby. <laughs>
1: she's still a puppy
0: and she's such a little...
1: <laughs> okay, sorry. This is actually so annoying. Okay. Yeah. Ruby. my dad has retrieved the dogs once again she literally broke through the door to get through here okay we're back (laughs) so back to business if you're listening to this right now and you're thinking wow emily all of a sudden doesn't sound so good and audrey really does it's because we have upgraded just for you all
0: we did we bought more stuff with our non-existent income from the podcast. We do it for the fans.
1: We do it for you all. And we just want to say that there will be a GoFundMe coming out probably in the next week or so, just because as Audrey said, I do want to reemphasize, uh, we have no income So from this. I just have I realize I probably shouldn't have talked about that on last week's episode because I forget the people actually listen to this. And I got several text messages being like, you're unemployed? And I was like, okay, everybody calm down. I'll be fine. I'll find a job. But yes, temporarily unemployed. Thank you all for your concern.
0: I'm surprised you even got a text. Like, unemployment is all the rage these days. But anyways, yeah, we did get microphones. We also got wind socks for the microphone. So it's going to help that popping noise. Like, that probably still, you probably had it. But anyways, I'm excited.
1: Same here. So we have a lot to talk about. So I we feel do. like maybe we should jump in to, to the, the question.
0: question the yeah. Emily, what's the question of the day?
1: Okay, Audrey. This is the one that I picked out for us. If you could have one talent that you don't already have, what would it be?
0: So, do you do you have an answer? Do you need to think on it?
1: I have an answer immediately. You do? Mm -hmm.
0: Okay, because yeah, I saw this in your notes, so I've been thinking about it for a while, and I'm just going to share the first thing that came to my mind. Wait, are you
1: answering for me?
0: Oh, are we? Are we doing that? We can do that. No, no, no. We should answer for ourselves for this one. Okay, yeah, let's be independent. Yeah. And this one was hard for me too because I have a lot of talents. So it's like, how do you choose? How do you pick? You know, one that you don't, I can't, I, I know. I was like, that's why I put
1: it in the notes so early on this week because I wanted to give you time to think about it because I couldn't think of a talent that you yeah. don't have.
0: No, I know. So I'm gonna, I need a minute, honestly, but I'm just kidding. I had one that came to mind. Mine was, well, I kind of want to say it at the same time. Okay. And then we can expand. explain. Well, <laughs> <laughs>
1: Let's explain. Well, quick question. Do you think I have the talent that you want?
0: No. I know. <laughs> no, I know that you don't because I would know. Oh, okay. A really good one. Okay. Oh, okay. You think I you, have the talent that you yeah, want? you
1: have what I want.
0: <gasps> okay.
1: Okay, on the count of three.
0: Okay, three, two, one. Singing. Coding. Oh. Oh,
1: Oh, I would have never guessed that for you.
0: What would you have guessed? Like
1: music production or something. <laughs> I
0: don't know. I was just more thinking like practically, like I have plenty of talents that... And <laughs> okay, here's the thing. Like I just need to put it out there that I am obviously kidding. Like I hope that everybody knows that that is my, <laughs> that's my comedic genre is... That- like saying things as if I'm better than everybody. I, I definitely know that I'm not. I just want to put that out there. But I was thinking, you know, I like to, you know, sing in the shower. I like to play guitar. Like there are plenty of things that you could call talents in my life that I couldn't really monetize because it's not like I'm actually like good at them. But you could totally monetize coding. And I'm not saying you have to monetize your talents or your hobbies because then they're not really talents or hobbies anymore. They're like jobs. There's so many men or there's a lack of female representation in the web developing community and I think I could find a really good place there you know
1: no I mean mad respect that just really caught me off guard and now I feel stupid for saying oh. singing
0: <laughs> it's okay you want but, to on yours
1: yeah I mean I've just always told people that I swear to god I will be a famous singer in another lifetime I have no vocal ability in this lifetime. But I've always just loved music so much. Like I grew up playing piano, saxophone. I was in percussion ensemble for a bit. I've just always been very musical in that sense. And I think I love performing in front of people, not obviously vocally, but I just have always loved that. And I've always thought it was the coolest thing in the world to be on a stage in front of people. And so I just think I was meant to be a singer. Unfortunately, the vocal cords did not uh, follow with that plan. So yeah, just basically in another lifetime, I will be a singer.
0: (laughs) We finally had a juicy week. And so there's a lot that we need to get into. I think we should just dive right in.
1: Let's dive right in. We've got some headlines for you guys and our hot takes on them. Number one, we're going to talk about how on Wednesday, Kanye West shared numerous tweets about music ownership and recording contracts before posting a video that you guys have probably all seen by now of himself peeing on one of his Grammys with the caption, Trust me, dot, 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 I won't stop. So over the past few days, Kanye has shared several posts criticizing the music industry. He also addressed contracts and the roles they play in music ownership, saying, when you sign a music deal, you sign away your rights. Without the masters, you can't do anything with your own music. Someone else controls where it's played and when it's played. Artists have nothing except the fame, touring, and merch. He even tweeted at Taylor Swift saying, I'm going to personally see to it that Taylor Swift gets her masters back. Scooter is a close family friend.
0: Okay. So, this was just another one of Kanye's many Twitter, I guess you could call them Twitter rants. And he's very passionate. He was releasing a lot of receipts and he was making some great points. Like it's a very well-known aspect of the mu- music industry that it's really, really hard for artists to make money, for them to own their own mu- their own music. Definitely the one that got or the the one take of Kanye's that got some of the biggest reactions were about his comments towards taylor swift and he it's like it's crazy like he was basically tweeting as though nothing ever happened in the past and it was almost like he was extending an olive branch but okay so i just i want to clear some things up because the last point about him trying to get taylor's masters back for her because scooter is a close family friend that was actually confusing for a lot of people We all know that Kanye and Taylor have a very tumultuous past. And we also know that Taylor has been fighting for her masters and been super public about her battle with Scooter Braun to obtain her masters. And if Kanye was actually able to pull some strings to get Scooter to sell Taylor her masters at a reasonable price, wouldn't that be a win for everybody? What do you think, Emily? Because I have some thoughts, but I just want to know, like, you know, as someone who is just kind of talking through this what is your initial feelings about that and, I mean
1: my initial feeling was that if this tweet would have come out as an isolated tweet maybe i would have felt differently maybe i would have been a little more positive to it if that was a genuine tweet and a genuine offer to taylor however because it was mixed in with all of these tweets really out of left field i can't take it super seriously and also I think that Taylor definitely doesn't want any involvement with Kanye or Kim or that entire family. And so I think that Taylor Swift can do this on her own. I don't think she needs Kanye's help, even if he could get it for her. I don't think she would want that. I think she wants to get it back her way on her own terms. I don't think she wants to owe Kanye anything.
0: Yes, I have. So that's, I'm very aligned with that perspective. I think there's a lot of people who saw this and they were like, great, Kanye can help Taylor like Taylor gets her masters back, they mend fences and they can move on. And and obviously we know it's more complicated than that. I'm I'm obviously oversimplifying it, but there were a lot of people that were confused like why are people mad that Kanye's finally, you know, being respectful of Taylor? The problem is that this wasn't respectful. First of all, Taylor didn't ask for Kanye's help. From her perspective, his behavior towards her since 2009 is erratic, it's inconsistent, there's no loyalty involved, everything is about Kanye, there's nothing, there's, and she, like, early on, you know, before the big VMAs incident, I think that Taylor thought that there was some loyalty between Kanye and her, just in terms of, like, respect, respecting other artists who are well-known. Why would this situation be any different You know, if Taylor's only perception of Kanye is basically the VMAs and all of the shit that like hit the fan after that with his music videos, where he depicted her like completely naked in that one music video, and there the whole snake controversy, where she denied knowing about the "I made that bitch famous" lyric, all that shit. There's just like no trust between them. So she probably just wants to be excluded from this narrative one that she never asked to be a part of since 2009, okay? That's my first point. My second point is Kanye is just waltzing in here like, oh, I got this, I got this. But this is the epitome of the message that Taylor was trying to convey when she wrote The Man on the Lover album, which is that not only do men control fucking everything, but they know they control everything. And it is not our duty or our position or our prerogative to just sit back and watch and let the men take care of things. Like, Taylor's been fighting for her masters ever since, I guess, she left. Big machine or whatever. So imagine the frustration she would feel reading this tweet from Kanye that's like, oh, I got this. Scooter's a close family friend, as if he could just flip the switch.
1: Taylor, I can't even imagine her reaction reading this, but the whole excluded from this narrative quote, I think about that so often, and I think it should be used, you know how we talk about celebrities' statements, whether it is an apology or just a a basic PR statement, and they're all so similar. Taylor's statement asking to be excluded from that narrative, iconic. So unique. That's how it's done. Take note, PR professionals.
0: Take fucking note. And then of course, okay, so I've shown the side of this because the side of this of, of Taylor's perspective, of what I imagine Taylor's perspective to be, which is that She's like traumatized by this man. Like, she just wants to be left alone. There has been so much animosity. The entire reputation era was in response to the enormous amount of hate that Taylor received after that whole Kim Kanye controversy came out of Taylor being a snake and just this huge uprisal of anti-Taylor Swiftness and that really began the like you either love her or you hate her like so many people have hatred in their hearts for Taylor Swift and that's really because of Kanye and the turmoil that he has caused so I can't imagine that that's easy for her to handle and she probably just wants to be left alone the other side of the coin though is that we have to recognize the things that we already know about Kanye, which is that he suffers from bipolar disorder. and this string of tweets that he tweeted out was likely another you know episode of, of sorts. And it's important to say that because I think there needs to be balance of holding him accountable for these things, but also acknowledging, and normalizing that situations like this are very par for the course for someone with bipolar disorder. And it's not an excuse, but we do need to just recognize that side of the equation as well.
1: Totally. Um, I mean, I think it was almost like just when I was starting to forget about Kanye's last string of tweets, these popped up. So the timing is definitely a little interesting and it's after the announcement of the end of Keeping Up with the Kardashians. So yeah, it's always hard to tell what's going on with him, where he's at right now, what's going on in his life, what status his health is in but I think I agree with all of your points and I think that again just leave Taylor Swift out of this if she needed your help she would have asked for it we're talking about Taylor Swift here like we're not talking about some small artist that really needs help really needs a say in the fight if Taylor Swift is going to get her master's back she's going to get it back eventually even if she's going through a lot of shit right now it'll happen for her eventually. She doesn't need people's help. The people's help that she does need, she already has because she's Taylor Swift. So if Kanye really wants to help out other people, he should just work on the industry as a whole or find some smaller artists that don't have the representation that Taylor Swift has and help them out. But only if he's asked to. Like, Don't get involved in other people's business if they haven't asked for it.
0: Yeah. Like I liked the part of the tweet rant where he was getting involved in obtaining his own masters and, and gifting them to his children or whatever. Like if someone as huge as Kanye West, I guess he's, he's confident enough, or maybe there's a better word for it, but he, we know that he doesn't stick to the grain, that he goes very against the grain and that he is willing to say things that not everybody would say. So for him to call out the issues or problems within the music industry about owning your masters and how it's like always about the big companies and never about the artists, stuff like that. Maybe he could make some really great change in the industry, but like, yeah, just leave Taylor Swift alone.
1: (laughs) Exclude her from the damn narrative.
0: Yeah. That's that on that. Another headline. We just, we want to get some quick takes on last Saturday, Chris Evans shared a screen recording of him and some friends playing a game on his Instagram story. But Evans, and it was heads up. So he like screen recorded his heads up thing. I just want to make it clear. Cause like, why would you do that? I just, maybe you didn't know. Evans didn't realize that when the clip of the game ended, his ended his photo roll popped up on his screen and there was a dick pic on his grid, presumably his own. And um, it was widely shared on the internet.
1: It was everywhere.
0: Yeah. Did you see it?
1: I unfortunately did. Yes,
0: I did. And I didn't even seek it out. It was just on Twitter, but same. Yeah. Well, and I mean, like, so any, I mean, they ended up making light of it, you know, things happen, but that's the thing that I also have an issue with because like when J-Law's nudes got leaked, I don't even remember. I mostly remember J-Law for some reason, but I remember like the amount of slut shaming she received. But then when Chris Evans' nudes gets leaked, it's like, Ha <laughs> ha, man, you're a typical man. Then you're not packing some meat, bro.
1: That was pretty sick, but why is it in black and white, dude? Like, it's all we want to know.
0: Yeah, I'm all for respecting Chris Evans' privacy. There was a whole trend where they were like, let's spam the Chris Evans hashtag with like wonderful things he did, so we can respect his. And it's like, ugh, it's too late. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad he didn't have a light hearted feel about it. I'm glad he didn't get slut shame, but it just makes you think, you know.
1: Yeah, it's disgusting how when it happens to women, people shame them for it. Their careers are threatened and they receive a ton of threats. And it's just, it's used in disgusting ways. But when this happens to Chris Evans, everybody is just like, wow, oh my God, good oh, nice. for him.
0: Looking good. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that on that.
1: Our final headline that we wanted to quickly cover is that Ashley Tisdale is pregnant. She is expecting her first child with her husband, Christopher French. And at first, when we, we briefly chatted about this and we just basically said, okay, cool. Congrats. Good for her. But then we started thinking about how many pregnancy announcements there have been this year. You know, we're talking about Chrissy Teigen, Gigi Hadid. And then we just wanted to bring this up quickly in the podcast because it is a bit odd how much attention pregnancy announcements get. And I'm not saying that it's not a big deal, but we are talking about I don't know if you've seen this, but Gigi Hadid's pregnancy has gotten more publicity on my feed than the election has.
0: I'm not oh even kidding God. you. I oh, see it everywhere. I never thought of it that way. Ugh. Which honestly,
1: I'm not, not mad about, but I. it's truly disgusting how much publicity, how many articles are written about her being like, signs that maybe Gigi Hadid has had her baby. And then, oh, her sister just posted a picture of her belly. And where is Zane And what's he doing? And what are her cravings? And I'm like, I don't care. I'm happy for them. I'm glad they're having a child, but I don't need to see this many updates about it.
0: It just seems so weird. I mean, I understand the excitement because it means a whole new era. And when someone has a baby, it's like, even if they were get a, to get a divorce, it means they're always going to be connected. Like, if Jen and Brad had a baby, like, that would be fucking crazy. That's different than, like, okay, Ashley Tazelle's pregnant, like, okay, great. I'm but happy. who the hell is Christopher French? Yeah, and, like, that's what we were put on. I mean, to each their own, but, that, but, like, life is more life, right? Like, in life, you just you just have babies, and then you die, and that's pretty much, like, what you did, it's weird. But then you think about, like, the Kylie pregnancy. That's a different story because she hid her pregnancy.
1: Yes, which Gigi also kind of did for a little bit.
0: Yeah. I mean, and it just must be really weird. Uh, I can't even imagine the mommy shaming if you were famous. Like, your your DMs would just be flooded with every single thing you do wrong on every single day, I bet.
1: Straight up. So, yeah, I mean, we're happy for all of these Expecting mothers, but just get it out of our feed after the announcement comes. I really don't need to hear about anything else until the actual
0: birth of the child. But announcements, I just have to say, I love pregnancy announcements like videos. Mm. Like sometimes I'll just watch YouTube videos of like normal people telling their families. Yeah, sorry, I can't stop. I can't talk. Do you know what I'm saying? Really? Yeah, they're so, they make me cry. I don't know what it is. I just watch
1: military reunions.
0: It's, it's the same vibe. Oh,
1: okay. I'll give it a shot next time I need a good cry.
0: <laughs> All righty. Shall we move into the next story?
1: Well, before we move into our top stories, do we want to recap any Dancing with the Stars?
0: I mean, we can a little. What'd you think?
1: Let me just say that for the Dancing with the Stars premiere last week, I know we try to be secretive about who's on the Instagram and who's posting what, but I have to give Audrey mad props. You covered the Dancing with the Stars premiere with so much finesse, so much humor. The coverage was 12 out of 10. I was so impressed, so entertained scrolling through it. So I feel like I should give you the floor on this one, but let me just say that I think the poll, both our opinions and the poll, we were wrong. Caitlyn killed it. I'm proud of her. Shell, I could not be more disappointed with. Sky Jackson is going to win this. Saying, "Okay, I'm changing my answer right now," and maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I shouldn't. I already take it back. Immediate regret. But Sky Jackson absolutely slayed. The underdog that I was most impressed by, I have to say, is Anne Hesh. She. I mean was was the actual cha cha ten out of ten? no, but she by far was having the most fun of anybody, and I was just here for her energy. I loved it. Carol Baskin could not have been more underwhelming the she should not have gone last. I know that's what everybody was hyping it up for, but she really should have been thrown into the middle somewhere
0: I mean they they kept me. I would have turned it off to be honest after I saw Carol Baskin because I was fucking bored like there was something and I never i always just watch like the first episode I'm gonna try to be better this this year but I just watched the first episode to see how everybody is see how everybody's on camera but you don't even get to see them interacting especially early on when they're squeezing so many people in at once you don't really get to like watch these famous people be people which is the best part of any reality show that on top of the fact with that there was no live audience Tyra Banks, I'm sorry. She's a horrible host. Emily, do you remember, were you living with us when we watched America's Got Talent? What? What? I was trying to find the clip of that video. Do you know what I'm talking about? Okay. First of all, how dare you? I
1: got you on to America's Got Talent. I was the one that made you guys start watching it with me.
0: Okay, fine. Like I didn't say you weren't. I just wanted to know <laughs> if you
1: remember this... I remember every second of it because I was so excited when you and Nadia got super into it and started watching it with me. Yes, the it's the clip of when she's announcing who's going home, but she thought that it was who is staying in the top three or top five, whatever it was. And so she said their name, ex- like super excited, super high energy, but it was who's going home.
0: Yes, it was just, it was specifically funny, like the person's name and I couldn't remember his name and I couldn't find the clip. We're just, we're going to have to move on okay but she's a bad host horrible bad. I, she
1: didn't she hardly lasted on america's got talent so i was like why did dancing with the stars swoop her up when they know how she did on america's got talent recently which is bad
0: And the previous hosts were iconic, so I just don't really know what happened there. Yeah. Um, Anyways, yeah, it was just, it was tough to get through. It's going to be different for Bachelor because I truly live and breathe and survive because of Bachelor. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, the Carabascan dance was horrible. I at least wanted it to be funny. It wasn't even funny. Or cringy. Even the
1: outfit was underwhelming.
0: And I felt bad for her partner who just has to live through this moment he just has to get to the other side
1: the virtual reality clip sent me
0: <laughs> that was the best part for sure yeah
1: like the whole show. so we'll see what happens tomorrow or today if you're listening
0: all right now speaking of dancing with the stars because i had just been lamenting on our last episode about how i wish that jerry harris was the replacement for monica all monica anyways <laughs> Jerry Harris was in the news this week because he was arrested on child pornography charges, alleging that he repeatedly coerced minor victims to send him photos and videos of themselves And solicited sex from young boys as young as 13 at cheerleading competitions. And I think the whole world was really shook when this news dropped. Like, nobody was expecting it, especially because of how much of a fan favorite Jerry was. And I know you didn't watch Cheer, Emily, but he was just... If if there was any way I could describe watching him on Cheer, he was just like a bright light. He was always the one in the team to kind of raised the spirits. He wasn't even like the best person by far on the team. He wasn't, I don't think he was first choice for the group that was going to get to compete at the competition that they were competing for, but he was always super positive, like despite the fact that he wasn't selected on the first go around. And I think he inspired a lot of people. His story was really just inspiring and everybody loved him. But (laughs) this this happened. It's true. He actually admitted to it in court. If you want to read more, there's a really great New York New York Times article about that kind of simply breaks down everything that's happened to date. And I just have to say, like, it's understandable that a lot of people had kind of similar reactions of heartbreak when they learned of this news because he was a fan favorite because we were all talking about Jerry. He was trending on Twitter for like a week that um, Cheer released on Netflix. But I do have to say that what we're not going to do is phrase our reactions to this news in a way that implies that this is something that happened to Jerry. And the reason I say that is because I had noticed when I was on Twitter um, the day that this news broke that the term quote unquote not Jerry was trending. And people were being like, no, not Jerry. Like, he's so amazing. I loved him. And even such a small, phrase kind of implies that this happened to him. And I think it kind of removes responsibility away from him. And we have to kind of accept that this happened and that he is responsible. He's an adult. And I think about the victims seeing something like that trending and thinking, oh no, like we did this to somebody that everybody loves so much and how much that would hurt. And so I just kind of wanted to share what I'd been thinking on those matters. Like We need to start working on how we respond to super public news like this. I want to say that Monica from Cheer and also from Dancing with the Stars posted a statement, and I really liked it, and I'm going to read it here. She said, my heart is shattered into a million pieces. I'm devastated by this shocking, unexpected news. Our children must be protected from abuse and exploitation. I'm praying hard for the victims of everyone affected. Please respect our privacy as our family mourns during this heartbreaking time. And the reason that I liked it is because... You know, clearly she's heartbroken because she personally knew Jerry and she has to kind of grapple with or grapple with the reality that he's not really the person that she thought he was, but she shows all of her empathy towards the victims. There's nothing like, oh, this happened to Jerry, you know, even though she was super close to him, it's just, here's my public statement that I'm sorry that this happened and I'm so sad and we all just have to move on, you know? So I got on a little of a soapbox there because I know you can't really carry this conversation.
1: <laughs> That's the talent that I wish I could have is being able to carry on conversations that I know nothing about. No, you did. You covered that beautifully. And I agree. Monica's statement could not have been more appropriate. It, Yeah, it is hard for me to speak on this from a cheer perspective because I did not watch the show and now I feel like I don't want to watch the show, but I think you brought up some great points. I think it's all about how we react and making the victims feel like speaking up about this was the right thing to do because it was. And I think people get so attached to people on TV and they get so attached to their characters and the people behind the characters and they feel like they know them. And then they say things like, oh, I can't believe he would do this. But in reality, we don't know that person. We don't know what they're like when the cameras aren't on them. And so... I get frustrated when I see people commenting things like he would never do something like this or has to be a mix-up or maybe he was involved in something that he shouldn't have been involved in or there was a bad influence somewhere. It's like, we don't really know this person other than what we've seen on TV. So horrible news, definitely not fun headlines to read, but sending the best to the victims and protecting those children and hopefully everybody affected can get the help that they need.
0: It's crazy. Like if there's anything I've learned as I've entered into my adulthood, I mean, I've been in my adulthood for quite some time now, but there's like a level of protection you want to have for yourself when you learn about these things. Like even things in my own life where it's like, that could never happen. Like, I know that this would never happen. I know that person and they would never do that. In my my experience of those feelings are much different than this situation. But for some reason, it's just really hard to accept that there's some really shitty fucking people out there. And People that fuck with kids, especially as adults, are not it. And there's going to be no excuses made for them, ever.
1: They can't even be on the wrong side. They're just... They're in hell. They're in hell. Yeah. They've jumped 10 levels down. So our final story of the day is recapping the This Is Paris documentary. And I feel like this has been a long time coming. It truly feels like a month ago that you posted on our story asking, should we recap this? It was an overwhelming yes. I think one person said no. So if you were that person, you can stop listening now. This is your warning.
0: No, she'll like it. She'll have a change of heart.
1: Okay, fine. So...
0: Basically, the
1: This is Paris documentary uncovers the hidden past of the international icon Paris Hilton. So as Paris confronts the heartbreaking trauma that forged who she is today, this deeply compelling portrait tells the real story of a teenage girl desperate to escape into a fantasy and sheds new light on the insta-fame culture that Paris helped to create. That's basically the general synopsis. But of course, we will recap our thoughts and kind of walk you through it. So I was surprised by this documentary because growing up, I obviously knew of Paris Hilton. She was everywhere, of course, but I was never super obsessed with that side of pop culture. I think I was more obsessed with like the Zac Efron side of things. So I didn't really pay much attention to her. I only would see her interviews or the the reels that the news outlets would play of her just sounding like a complete idiot. However, the second that the documentary started, I was super sucked into it because her voice because of how different her voice was. It immediately got my attention because I was expecting it to start with her, you know, kind of high pitched, airy voice, sort of ditzy. But immediately from the start, I was like, oh, this is going to be interesting because it was, and it just continues throughout the entire documentary. But I was just amazed at truly what a good inside look it offered into her life. I, as much as she's sort of removed herself from the world that sort of made her famous. I think she's definitely still pretty involved. It was interesting to see how much you can tell how much she struggles to relax. It was really interesting and horrifying seeing all the trauma that she's had to endure that I had no idea about when she had to have the conversation with her mom. I was shook to my core. I was not expecting that in the documentary. I thought it was all going to be about just how she became famous and how she lives her life now. I will say In the documentary, they did these flashbacks, and it was sort of... I don't don't know how to describe them, but I didn't like it. They were cartoonish. Yeah, they were like these cartoonish flashbacks to just try to illustrate exactly what she sees in her dreams or what she endured at some of these programs that she had to go through these camps that she went to but i i didn't like that i think it almost kind of took away from the story i think it would have been more powerful if she had just been sitting there in front of the camera telling it it was just a little distracting for me but overall it did make me like her a little more i didn't feel any connection to her necessarily i thought it was really well done but i don't when the documentary ended i don't think i felt compelled to go follow her on instagram or read more about her it just felt like a nice Oh, like very interesting look into a very, very interesting human being. And it ended there for me.
0: I pretty much feel the exact same way. Like I, I kind of was bored, especially early on. Cause I, I don't know. It was more about like the editing of the documentary that made me just kind of fall off of interest. And then when she started talking about her, Experience at that Canyon Provo Canyon School, I think it's called. Then I was like, oh shit, this is crazy. But the one thing that stood out to me was how, you know, she's she's beginning the process of like rebranding herself as like I'm not this dumb blonde with this high-pitched voice who's like that's hot, and that's all she does. Like, pretty much, I'm actually this super smart businesswoman, and I'm like a genius. And I kind of, like, didn't believe that she was never that person before, and maybe that's just because she was super good at acting, like, back in the day, and there was so much, like, switching. Like, she couldn't even differentiate between that person and, like, the person that she says she is, which is just, like, this slow pitched voice, like, really smart, like, totally putting on a front. I think she kind of is both people. And I don't know. I just found myself being really confused. Like I felt like it gave me more questions than answers.
1: <laughs> I agree. And I will say I didn't realize how involved in the business world <laughs> Paris is. And I, even if you guys don't watch this documentary, let me just read you this little something. So since releasing her first fragrance in 2004, her perfume collection is estimated to have done more than $2.5 billion in sales. She has 19 product lines that span skincare, handbags, jewelry, and lingerie, with more than 45 branded retail locations across the Middle East and Asia. And apparently, there's a rumor, I, I don't know if this is confirmed, but there's a rumor that she's the highest paid female DJ in the world, and that she makes up to $1 million per DJing gig, which I had no idea that yeah. she was even a DJ, let alone making up to $1 million per gig.
0: No, I think that's confirmed that she really is the highest paid female DJ. That was one of the most compelling scenes in the whole documentary when she was fighting with her boyfriend and he was like being creepy. He was such a fucking creep. I I hated that. I hated that entire scene and I feel sad for her. I understand that it probably must be really hard to find someone who's like secure enough to date someone like Paris, but I feel like she could find him, but it wasn't that guy. He sucked
1: he was so weird the second that they introduced him in the documentary and he just walked in and was like hey what's up just sat on the bed and then she was like okay well I gotta go and he was like okay like he's just such a deadbeat he kind of reminded me of Romaine from Selling Sunset but except he never showed any personality like Romaine eventually did
0: yeah like Romaine's a savage I miss Selling Sunset it's the only thing I ever want to talk about Speaking of documentaries, um, you probably haven't, so we may have to cut this out, but have you seen The Social Dilemma yet? Yes! Uh-oh. I wa- Yes, I have! Oh my god, this never happens.
1: Wow, I actually did watch that. Yeah, I was I was really early on the train on that one. I was the front row seat, but wow. I really liked it. Did you like that one? I
0: did. <laughs> okay, so the only thing that I personally took issue with with was the whole, like, fictional scenario happening.
1: Yes, the, the movie.
0: Yeah, like, that just, to me, I felt like that made the movie frame itself as this, like, super scary, like, alarmist propaganda. It made it less, took away the ethos, if you will, of having all of those tech or former tech execs, people that worked at Pinterest, Facebook, Google, Instagram, everywhere, like those to me were the compelling parts of the movie. And then every time it clips to that whole fictional thing, it just like, it took it away from me. That whole other piece where there's like three dudes standing at the switchboard, like deciding, that's just like, I feel like that misrepresents what's actually happening because I work, like a big part of my job is like Facebook advertising, Instagram advertising, Google advertising, and it is definitely about selling data but it it made it seem like it's more personal it made it seem like there actually is somebody behind the scenes watching your every move it's not it's just a bunch of computers that want you to spend as the most time possible on their app so that they can sell your data and so that they can say that they get this much site traffic and this many minutes spent on your site and they can sell that information to advertisers but one of the most compelling parts of the movie or the like my favorite line was how they were saying If the product is free, then you are the product. And that just couldn't be more, couldn't be more true. And it is very spooky, but on the same hand, it's like, just take my data, you know, like what's, What's the worst that can happen?
1: <laughs> I have the same mindset and it's not okay at all. I really need to work on shifting it. But I'm even when the TikTok news came out about how much data they were collecting on me and whatnot, I didn't even care, which is not okay at all. But I was like, take it. It's everywhere already. I'm on every platform imaginable. It's out there if they want to get it.
0: To me, the issue more than having, than having my data is like using that data to manipulate is where it becomes scary which is what the point of the documentary was like when they're saying the more that they know about you the more that they'll be be able to tell what you're going to do next and they can be pulling the levers i mean in a lot of ways that is true but it's not like it's not like there's a puppeteer that's behind the scenes, like, I'm going to make Sally do this, and I'm going to make Johnny do that, and then I'm going to cause, like, world domination or whatever. Like, it's just, they just want us to be on our phones for a long time, which is which is scary. No, know?
1: I think the most interesting part of that documentary for me was actually just at the very beginning when you had all the people they were interviewing throughout the entire documentary trying to describe the problem at hand, and none of them could yeah. And it's interesting because I think most of these documentaries that are about some sort of issue or solving a problem, it'll be really clear. It'll say, okay, so here's the issue we're trying to address. Here's the issue at hand. But in this one, it really was just – it was it's such a monster that nobody can put a specific
0: word to it. Yeah. And then it's like we don't know the problem, then, like, what's the solution?
1: And also, let me just say that Tristan Harris – the guy that takes up most of the documentary, he was the one that sent the email out at Google. He, there are just some people that when they speak, they capture my full attention and I would just trust them with my life, which is not a good thing. He's one of those people. I yeah. was so enamored by him. I just trusted everything he said. He was so intelligent. I think he has such an interesting outlook on things and I would like to sit in on 25 of his TED Talks that i still wouldn't yeah. feel fulfilled
0: it was cool and i i really I, I wish they gave more information on like what can we actively be doing as consumers to like want more ethical practice in social media and stuff like i i, I was lacking that but maybe i wasn't paying attention you know i don't know did you feel that way
1: yeah they didn't really offer any suggestions other maybe,
0: than like, to Oh my god, that was so scary! Did the mic pick that up?
1: I heard a woo.
0: It just there. Somebody must have gotten a touchdown, but I literally like, god, <laughs> Jesus. That's how good this new mic is. You can even hear football cheers. James is gonna be hearing from my lawyers.
1: <laughs> but no, no, they they didn't offer any solutions whatsoever. I feel like all of them just said either delete everything or no, I don't let my kids have a phone. Yeah. And I'm like, what does that do for me?
0: It's so crazy to think what kind of issues our kids are going to have with technology. I don't even want to think about it. Like if the Gen Zers are bad, have another thing coming.
1: I shared a cell phone with my brother in middle school. We shared a cell phone and we had 500 text messages a month.
0: Oh, those were the days. Yeah. I used to love texting on my, my nine digit keyboard.
1: It was low key so fun. And then remember when they introduced the, uh, not really a shortcut, but when you would start typing in a word and it would fill it in yeah. for you
0: yes you would just do the numbers oh fuck what's that what was called? It called oh my god that's gonna bother me hang on
1: it's time to
0: google it flip phone like is it a suggestion t9 what t9 that's totally what it was called t9 no not but you okay it was definitely called t9 for me but it's fine
1: i think it was just called like autocorrect for me okay I'm glad you found your answer. I feel like, is there anything else on Paris you want to talk about? I feel like we really dove off of Paris and went straight to the social dilemma.
0: I was kind of dreading it. Cause I just was like, Oh, it was fine. Like it was good. I think you should watch it because she is an icon and I really like her. And the Canyon school stuff was fucked.
1: Let me just say there was one scene that I can't forget. And it's when she's about to leave her car to go out to some public appearance and she drops her purse and there are so many $100 bills just sitting on the floor. And she's like, oh, oh my God, let me just clean this up. And it, Oh, it called me so poor. I was just sitting there drooling, wishing that that would happen to me. But was
0: so lonely. It made me really sad.
1: Totally. And I, I think growing up, when I was watching Hannah Montana, I really convinced myself, oh my God, I want to be famous. You know, I want to be in the spotlight. And watching documentaries like that make me realize that it must suck. Like, yes, the money must be nice, but even watching her do all the small talk that she was doing was so cringy. You know, you think about all the fans that you have to meet that aren't necessarily normal people. Like, they're just all over you and like trying to smother you and hug you and grab you. And it's just too much human attention and I would I would think that would be so hard to trust anybody because even the guy that she was dating I'm like how do you know that he's not just dating you because you're Paris Hilton which is totally why that one is dating her.
0: Have you ever read the book The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck?
1: I remember when that was everywhere all at once but I never read it to no one's surprise.
0: Yeah to truly no one's. Well, I read it a few years ago and I just downloaded the audiobook because I've been listening to audiobooks before I go to bed or like while I cook and stuff. And I've been just trying to fill the void. <laughs> and there was like one chapter where he talks about how if you're poor, you want, I don't know, I feel like I'm going to butcher this shit too, but it's basically that nobody's actually happy because you're constantly comparing your life to what you don't have. And like poor people want more money. People with money want more, like, connection or don't, like, have trust issues, whatever. And it just makes me think about the Kardashians and, like, the amount of hatred that they receive or people of that same, like, famous level. I got into a TikTok. I got, like, one TikTok comment.
1: The TikTok about Selling Sunset?
0: What was that TikTok that I made? I told you I made it and then somebody left a hate comment, so I deleted it. It was about James Charles. You never told me that? Well, I made a TikTok about James Charles and somebody left a hate comment on my TikTok and I got really scared. So I deleted it. Wait, what did they say? Oh, I just was like hating on James Charles. And then he was like, you think you're funny or like something so stupid. And I was like, yeah. So then I deleted it. But just imagine getting that times like literally a million. Like sometimes, you know, we think we want fame, but you can't always get what you want. We just want the fortune. (laughs) <laughs> yeah please everybody thank you so much for joining us for another week of the wrong side we have loved having you and i hope that you enjoyed our microphone quality oh my I be microphone getting, quality
1: yes i will be getting mine next week so speaking of hate comments please do not come for me and my <laughs> audio because next week's episode we will be uh, balanced
0: If you would like to support our dream of reaching 200 followers by 2020, feel free to share our posts on Instagram, tell your friends about the wrong side, and let us know if you ever have any requests. We want to cater to our very small audience because we love you.
1: Unless you're Haley, in which case Audrey keeps shutting your story ideas down, but we will cover them.
0: Sorry about that.
1: All right, guys. Thank you for listening. Have a beautiful week. We will see you next time and stay on the right side. Bye. Bye, guys.